Man, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. This is a blast. What? Confused. <laughs> I don't know. Just put it on the blue. I don't know. Stupid. I was just about to lead you into the thing. Well, then go ahead and lead me in. I was just trying to play play a funny joke, but you know it wasn't funny at all. So. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode five of the Race and Rehab podcast. Uh, we apologize. This is coming to you guys a little bit later than what we had planned previously. But um, like I said, as we started the show, we're going to get a little bit busier as the year goes on. And instead of forcing something out there just to put it out there, we wanted to make sure that whatever we put out is of the highest quality. We're going to like a like our initial plan. We're going to try to get one out. Um, every week but then again you know um we are a bunch of teenagers working and going to school and working on race cars and and working on this brand um um i know i sound like a broken record at this point but it means a lot to us um we've done a good amount of sales on our first set of t-shirts and we're going to tell you um a little bit about our plans for the future here so uh, I'm going to hand it off to Neil and Connor. I'll let them talk to you about what's in the works here at Race and Rehab. Yeah, so despite us being just a couple of teenagers with a, a brand and a growing business, we do actually have business meetings. Last night um, we did get together and discussed a future design for a T-shirt. Um, we have those original logo T-shirts, but uh, our quantities of our stock is coming becoming low. So... Neil, do you think we had a pretty successful session of creating a new design last night? Yeah, I mean, from what we kind of ended on last night, I, I love the design that we had. Um, you know, we did have to trash some other potential designs, but it's all in trying to make the best product we can have. If you haven't already and you like our uh, what we're doing here, uh, we do have, I don't know, probably – less than half a dozen of each size left so if you want to purchase a uh original racing rehab t-shirt while they're still available uh our socials are in the description our instagram and facebook are racing rehab co so please please support us um we're having a time of our lives doing this keep your eyes out like the facebook and instagram page for this new design when we release it definitely get yourselves get yourselves one of the one of the new ones for sure um and if there's enough interest shown in the OGTs with the race and rehab on the front um we will definitely be bringing those back um i know quite a few people enjoyed it's a simple but uh kind of sleek design so um we're going to go on to our weekly roundups um connor's going to touch a little bit on his week and neil will right after him yeah so um I think I've mentioned it probably in every episode this far, uh, working on uh, CPG graphics, trying to get that, that business um, also big. Um, I got a bunch of wraps going on right now. I pr- got my car that printing right now, and then I've got a customer near us that I'm doing a full wrap on. And, um, and then just odds and ends, numbers, half wraps, and stuff like that. Just busy busy time right now as people are preparing their cars. Um, and then other than just working every day, I'd finally got to go to the racetrack for the first time this, this season. Um, 
my friend Sammy Martz, who runs a crate modified in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. He raced at Bridgeport last weekend and actually got the win. Um, I was there as, well, I say crew guy, but all I did was really change, change a gear on Friday. So I was kind of there for moral support, not really a crew guy that his actual guys did a lot more than I did. So that was fun. Got, got to go to the races and being victory lane as just a spectator. And then this week, just trying to get my car ready. Um, the rods and pistons for my motor should be coming in soon. My dad will get that built and we'll get that in there. Work school. I'm on spring break this week, but work school and, uh, trying to go racing pretty much story of my life. Yeah. I think we can all agree there. Um, Work, school, and then play time right there at the racetrack. But we did have a little bit of a uh, exciting weekend uh, down here in North Carolina. Um, Neil the Wheel um, took, uh, I guess, the first ever official race and rehab sponsored win um, down at Millbridge. He ran the micro non-wing 600 feature event, and it was a blast. I, I love heading to Millbridge and. And it's 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 a great way to um, finish your week off and enjoy the weekend. Um, but Neil, um, congratulations first off, and tell us a little bit about your week uh, leading up to uh, the Saturday feature event at Millbridge. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, it just we we're kind of a little bit in a rush, as you know, pretty much everybody that races was trying to get ready for this race. Um, just. You know, we had to go up to New Jersey, Connor's house, and uh, put the motor in, put all our decals on, and we came came home, and we were having a little bit of a little bit of motor problems, and figure those out. You know, those were just stupid little problems, like motor was just stuck in there and stuff like that. Pretty much easy fixes, but we didn't know at the time. But yeah, I mean, once we finally got it ready, um, we went to Millbridge on Tuesday. Uh, had some good practice. Car felt good, but especially for the first time in the car in a while. And then re- for, ready for the race on Wednesday, and it rained out, which which nobody likes. Uh, then we just got prepared, got ready for the race on Saturday, which was you know back to back. It was it ended up being pretty good. It, it did get off to a rough start in uh, qualifying slash practice. As as everybody knows, it's been the Millbridge uh, practice is qualifying. <laughs> so I. I made first two laps qualifying. The car was too tight, kind of tearing down the fence, and then went in turn three on my third lap, and the hub, right rear hub, just broke off. The tire went past me. It's never good. And um, so yeah, when we had got that fixed, bent bent like the brake rotor and stuff like that, but it wasn't too hard. Luckily, we do have those backup wheels. But after it, um, after we got all that fixed, we started second in my heat race. Um, we ended up finishing, finishing second, uh, had a good run. Car felt good, but I just wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna roost stone a slider for the lead and wrecking myself in a transfer spot. So, uh, that put us sixth for the A main or what looked like sixth for the A main. And, uh, we, us at Millbridge roll a dice. They roll a dice for the invert and man, the myth, the legend, Tim Nye, he was, he was the one rolling the dice that night. He ended up rolling six. So that put me on the pole. I got a good start and just led every lap from there and brought home the race and rehab 15 in a win. Yeah. Uh, 
like you said, you know, you at the start of the A at the start of the A main, um, you got thrown kind of a short slider, but you, you recovered from that and regained the lead coming out of two, and um, pretty much set that thing on cruise control and and never looked back from that point. Um, there was a couple restarts here and there, but um, within five laps of the run, within the restart, I mean, you you kept the guy in second by at least a half a straightaway. So, uh, really impressive run. I think. Um, yeah, I think we had a lot of people shaking in their boots after we left there this weekend. But um, I wanted to get back to Tuesday. Um, I don't think Neil knows what I'm about to bring up, or maybe he does. But um, I'm driving home from work Tuesday night, and uh, Neil, I can, I can, I can sense the excitement in in his text messages, and and that's hard, you know. There's not really a way to to sense emotion in in text messages, but Neil was just uh. He was over the moon excited because he had just had one of the best conversations apparently he had ever had with one of the one of the guys that you know a lot of guys look up to in the dirt in the dirt realm of things and and even in pavement now. Um, but Chris, you and Christopher Bell, um, I have it on good word that you you guys had a great chat Tuesday night uh, down there at Millbridge. So tell us a little bit about that. I actually didn't start the conversation with him. I- I was going to the the concession stand. You had to get some food. Me and Nolan start walking back, and we see my dad in full blown conversation with Christopher Bell, which everybody knows. Everybody that knows my dad, he just he talks to everybody. Which I really wasn't surprised, honestly. Right. But we he I joined the conversation, and uh, he introduced himself like I like I didn't know who he was. He introduced himself, and we were just talking about open wheel racing and dirt racing and Nolan's Nolan's pavement sprint car racing and he he comes out to Millbridge or and he he uh, fields a car although he is not allowed to race he fields a car just because he he loves dirt racing and he's honestly one of the nicer nicest guys I've talked to yeah it's pretty pretty neat um Millbridge definitely um you know can can introduce you to some of the big name guys and um, is it safe to say that you have a new favorite? Oh, yeah, easily. Okay. Easily. All right. Well, that's good enough for me. So this week we're going to do a little bit different um, kind of interview. And uh, we're actually going to be talking to one of our own, Levi Riffle. As um, We're going to try to get the audience to know... Um, who we are as people a little bit better um, through a full-blown interview rather than just trying to pick up the pieces through uh, uh, us talking to each other. So we know each other so well, we're just trying to give the, the audience the same feel that we have each day with each other. So we're going to use this the guest segment that we uh, used with Alex Murray to lead us off into this uh, probably going to be a pretty lengthy and deep conversation with Levi. So this is going to be hard, but what's your favorite movie? Yeah, I got to go with the obvious. Um... Well, you know, I'm not going to go with the obvious, actually, um, because in past episodes, I've I've talked about my love for Talladega Nights, but I'm going to go with Cars, the original Cars movie. Nice. Um, I was pretty much brought up on that, that whole movie, so. Yep, Cars, yep. Cars is a Pixar movie that is superior to all others. I agree. Um, well, that leads me to, what's your favorite TV show? Favorite TV show? I've got a lot. Um, you know kind of wasting time through the years and traveling and everything like that. I've 
I've became very fond of Netflix. But um, yeah, I got to go with White Collar. Um, Ooh, we've yeah. all watched it. Um, yep, yep. Neil Caffrey. Yeah, it's a it's a lesser known TV show. Uh, um, but um, it's now off it, Netflix, which is yeah. It's so you kind of got to bootleg it if you want to watch it. But it's a damn good TV show. Um, it was on USA, yeah. I believe. So, um, what is your favorite number, Levi? We haven't you haven't raced in a little bit, so the viewers might not know um, what your number is, but we all do. Yeah, um, I've had people in the past make fun of my screen names on all my social media accounts and everything because it's always in there. Um, but it's number seventy-five. Uh, my screen name always used to be RB seventy-five racer. And so some of my Xbox friends from days. high school, yeah, some of my friends from high school, high school still call me R RB seventy five racer, but I'm okay with it. We should do the same. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I think we should start. Nah. All right. Speaking of favorites, what's your uh, favorite pool brand? Milwaukee. Um, no that hesitation. Yeah, that's quick. Um, you know, we didn't really um, get into Milwaukee until just a couple short years ago and then dad bought his first milwaukee products and since then that's basically all we use around here yeah your basement slash garage looks like a milwaukee showroom almost yeah it's kind of like my closet in oakley it's yeah, just you, full of it you guys are so busy you barely get to use it It all looks <laughs> brand new yeah yeah going back to racing what would your dream series to race with full-time be yeah i got i gotta go with the the cup series yeah you know it's, it's an obvious choice but um, I, I, there's nothing more American than NASCAR. So, but speaking of dream, dream racing stuff, what's your, what's the dream track? Um, so we did the lap around Indy with the quarter midgets and everything. And, um, that was really neat and really special, but, um, someplace that would be special to me is, is one of my, um, late grandfather's favorite tracks. And that was North Wilkesboro. Um, he um won a big modified race there back um long time ago. Um it was filmed on it was actually on ESPN and we've got it on uh a VCR tape but um yeah he loved North Wilkesboro. He actually beat Jimmy Spencer to win that race. So yeah, North Wilkesboro. Our next question um I we might not get an answer out of this because not a lot of us eat at the racetrack, but if you had to eat something, um, maybe as a spectator, what would your go-to race day snack be? You know, for the early part of my career, I didn't eat. I couldn't eat at the racetrack because it would come all back up. Um, uh, you know, my nerves would get the best of me when I was younger, and I put a lot of stress on myself. And um, usually before the races, I would have to, you know, um, bring that stuff back up. And I didn't really eat. And I and to this day I still never really eat at the racetrack when I'm racing. But um, I guess just a just a concession stand cheeseburger, I guess. Yeah, you can't really screw up a cheeseburger at most places, and it's yeah. usually the best thing on the menu. Going to another favorite thing. What's your what is your go to or favorite hype up song that you would listen to? See, I'm a fan of '70s and '80s rock, but. Um, you know, to get me hype, I, I think I gotta go um, with really anything that is made by Post Malone or um, Post Malone. Uh, there's a couple rock songs that I may listen to. 
um, like Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. Um, I love that song. Um, you know, uh, Cowboy by Kid Rock. But uh, yeah, you know, I can't really narrow it down to one. I, I love all types of music. So. All right, so uh, we got the introductions out of the way. I guess the only place to start is the beginning. Um, we've mentioned it in previous episodes, but how did your uh, grandma's racing team and your dad's kind of involvement with Modifieds lead you to um, calming aboard a quarter midget and beginning your racing career? Yeah, um, when I was uh, just as young as 18 months old, I uh, took my first trip to um, watch Pop Robert Jeffries race, and um, my grandma's part owner of that team and my dad was always involved with that team um you know i i felt that my dad wanted to race modifieds but um i don't think my grandma had the nerve or she um you know she'd come to our quarter midget races and she'd turn turn away um because she just couldn't watch but um 18 months old is where it started and racing's all i've ever known since that point um, and I've been asked multiple times by my dad if, if he felt that, uh, if, or if I felt that I was being forced into, um, a sport that I didn't love, but, um, I continue to tell him time and time again that, you know, um, if I didn't want to be there, then I wouldn't have woke up at 6am in the morning to get there. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have traveled halfway across the country to, to race, you know, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't travel halfway across the country to play any other sport. So, um, it, it, racing's been all I've ever known. Um, I've played a couple of sports here and there just to pass the time, but, um, many know that I'm pretty much uncoordinated as a pig on ice. So, um, but yeah, uh, that, that's basically how I got started. Um, uh, my dad took me down to the quarter midget track when I was seven years old. Um, and you know, I just fell in love with it. We watched, and Dad put a down payment on the on the car uh, the day that we watched. And um, a week or so later, we went to pick up the car. And um, it, you know, I was so excited that I told Mom to grab the camera and uh, give us give me a photo shoot when we got back to the the race shop. And so um, I still have those pictures to that to this day. And um, looking back on those, I, I don't regret um getting into the race car or the racing community whatsoever yeah so we, we he- i heard you talk about your your pop and your grandma and your dad all into racing but uh who who did you listen to who was your who was your biggest i or who was your biggest idol when you when you were just young starting in these quarter midgets? uh the easy answer is you know pop pop has always been my idol uh you know i look up to him a lot and um, my dad's just as much so of an idol as, as my pop was. Um, but, um, looking up to certain people at the racetrack, uh, back then I looked up to, I looked up to Nolan a lot. Uh, I looked up to guys like, um, Tyler Schulich and, and Harrison Burton, um, cause they were kind of at the, at the peak of their quarter midget racing careers about the same time I came in. Um, so I really looked up to those guys a lot. Um, and, you know, the early part of my quarter midget career, I was I was so headstrong and stubborn that um, I wouldn't really listen to my dad at the track. Um, so in order for me to get better, we had to find somebody to tell me um, things that I needed to hear and, and things that uh, that 
um, I needed to know in order to improve myself. And um, that guy was none other than your father, Neil, Steve Allison. Um, We spent many days practicing and whatnot. And, you know, he taught me um, a lot. But um, my success came a little bit later um, when I finally realized that, you know, my dad, my dad's got a lot of knowledge. So So for quarter midgets, for the listeners, um, it's a, you're really developing a young young child behind the wheel, and it's pretty hard. So, through your development of quarter midgets, were there are times where you kind of felt like you weren't doing as well as you hoped? Um, were you kind of getting down on yourself at maybe five, six years old if you weren't winning races? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, my early years, you could ask anybody that that was that was at the track. Um, I was no good. Um, to be completely honest with you, but I knew that this is what I loved and this is what I, what I wanted to do, um, with my life. And, um, for many years, I don't think I caught on to the whole quarter midget thing or or racing in general, um, until I had advanced into the senior classes. Um, I started at seven, so that's late, um, which is crazy to think, but started at seven and and ran maybe five or six races in rookie and the one race i won i started on pole and and finished right where i started and it don't really take um it takes skill don't get me wrong but um you you know you get out front and you got a faster car than anybody all you got to do is hold the wheel um but you know i really um improved myself a lot with the senior classes i had to um, the competition level was was ten times greater than what I'd ever experienced. So, um, you know, I decided I was just going to stop sucking. And, um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, we put in the work, practice hours, and everything like that, and um, it paid off in the end. Yeah. So I I remember my kind of aha moment where kind of everything clicked. Do you do you recall where there was a race or maybe a practice session where you kind of everything started to formulate as a driver um not necessarily um honestly just that just the year i hopped into seniors um it i'm i guess maybe when it clicked is when um we finished on the podium in the senior honda cup race that year um it it really boosted my confidence and and told me that that i was in the right place and, and that I was doing the right things, and I just needed to keep going. So that was, pr- if anything, that was probably my biggest aha moment. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of kids, and there's it's kind of split 50-50. Some kids, there's like a, a race where it just looks like a different driver, or it's a progression, and it just depends on what kind of person and even uh, driver you are. So just weird how different kids, or yeah, different kids can develop and become have the same success as each other with yeah. different methods. Yeah, like we like you mentioned earlier when you were talking about people you looked up to uh you looked up to Nolan and um that was through the earlier parts of uh your quarter major career probably even before mine. But I just want to hear what it was like on your side of the the friendship between our families. Yeah, you know, I grew I've grown a very special bond with the Allison family. Um you know, they're practically my family at this point. And, um, you, you know, 
I'm not sure how the relationship exactly started. You know, I, I said earlier in one of the first episodes that, you know, I would talk to Neil even when he didn't want to talk to anybody. And um, it, since then, you know, we've grown fond of each other and we relate on so many different levels. And, um, you know, the, the friendships that I've built at the quarter midget track, I wouldn't trade for the world. Um, you know, and Connor, I met Connor a little bit later through uh, the Allison family. Um, but Connor, uh, you know, me and Connor have grown a special bond, um, probably more recent than, than, um, you know, Neil and Connor started their relationship back in 2012, but, um, you know, it, it, it really just feels like a family. And, um, when the Allison family gave me the opportunity to come run one of their Eastern midgets, um. You know, it was so special to me, and I don't think I'll ever be able to repay them. Yeah, you, we'll get into the Eastern Midget deal a little bit later. I just want to go back to, yeah, we weren't really that close, um, say, five years ago. I just, I'm going to probably bring up a bad memory for you, but I just saw you as a Carolina Cowboy in your, your hat. <laughs> I didn't oh, really, God. I, I didn't, what, we were friendly, but we weren't, we weren't best friends like we are now. I mean, right. You were, some people don't remember the, the whole Carolina Cowboy phase, but that, that, every time I see a photo you in the Cowboy head, I just chuckle. Man, what a goofball. <laughs> uh, we're, we're still our goofball, Eva. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you are. How, how did that come about? Like, um, was it somebody in your family that was like, put on, put on this Cowboy hat, it'd be funny, or did you, were you just really into the whole country lifestyle at that point? Um, you know, I, gr- I grew up in a kind of rural area, so that might have played a part in it. But, um, at the time when I started wearing the cowboy hat, um, we were being sponsored by Team Dillon Racing, uh, Ty and Austin Dillon. And, um, the Ty and Austin were wearing cowboy hats on TV at that point. And, um, y- you know, I was like, yeah, that's cool and it's different. Nobody at the quarter midget track does that. So, I think uh, me and Luke dressed up as Austin and Todd Dillon, Dillon one, uh, one of the, for one of the Halloween races and um, wore the cowboy hats and everything like that. And, you know, I just wore it back the next race. And uh, since then, it's kind of stuck. And, um, you know, a couple years down the road after wearing it for a little while, Butch Lamb gave me the nickname the Carolina Cowboy um, in Nashville right at Music City. Um, so kind of fitting but yeah that's kind of where the cowboy hat came from i don't regret it um it was a it was a different kind of stage in my life but um you know i, I think it kind of made me um feel confident in myself and, and and grow as a person you know it gave me my own title um nobody else wore a cowboy hat so um that was my that was my kind of persona i guess you could say yeah, that's that's interesting. But so you mentioned the uh, the Nashville race, so that's a little bit a little bit farther away from your home track, which was North Carolina, where you grew up racing and all that. So the Dixie Shootout, if for the listeners, is a quarter midget regional series, um, and some families decide that they're going to go chase uh, points for that and travel, and others decide they're going to stay at um, their local track and just have fun. I mean, this is all quarter midgets racing is about have fun having fun and regional is where you kind of step out and get more competitive. So for your family, what was the decision like to go chase regional? Um, at the time we, me and Luke were running really well at the local track and 
Uh, needless to say, the the competition was going to the regional races. You know, not everybody that we were running against when we started um, was running many local races anymore. So in order to go with the competition and, um, you, you know, quite honestly, better myself and, and my little brother as a driver, um, we just decided, you know, the the Dixie Shootout's the best way to go. It was it was a it was just the Dixie Shootout was just starting out, um, kind of getting its name out there. But it it was it was a great time. I met so many um, awesome people through Dixie Shootout. Um, but yeah, my years at, at the Dixie Shootout, I wouldn't give them up for the world. You know, traveling with my family and you know just the small memories of you know breaking down on the side of the highway and um, you know, just crazy things. Um, it, it was such, it was such a memorable time of my life. And, um, you, you know, the Dixie shootout series gave that all to me. Yeah. We all know you had some, some success in that series. Uh, but in 2016, you won your national championship. And I just want to know what propelled your family to go and to say in 2016 that you're going to chase that national championship. Yeah, um, you know, we had been running the Dixie, and I, I had a great season uh, before 2016 and 2015. I think we won uh, eight of the 14 races that I ran in with the Dixie shootout that year. And um, to be quite honest with you, we weren't sure of the points format that the national tour was going to use that year. Uh, coming up in 2016 and and then when we heard when that they were going to do uh average your your regional races and your your uh you had to run two national races and they were going to average those together and whoever had the best average at the end of the season was going to be crowned champion and um you, you know the dixie shootout was it was an affordable series but um back when y- you guys were running uh, we we couldn't really um you know, see ourselves spending all the money to run a, a 13, 14 race series um, halfway across the country um, to to run for those national points, and and so the the best the best opportunity and was in 2016 by far. You know, I, I was I was doing the best that I ever had in my career, and and there was uh, you know we went to that we were going to the Brickyard. Um, that was one thing that we were going to do definitely. Um, so we went to the Brickyard and I placed uh second, you know, in, in both classes, which, you know, was, was super upsetting, but at the same time, you know, it put us in the position to, to run for those national championships. And, um, you know, dad said, I'm going to have to fork up the money to go to Pocono. You know, we got to give this, we got to give this a fair shot because we were, we were first in national points at the time after the Brickyard. Uh, so we went up to Pocono. And ha- I had a shot at both national championships, heavy 160 and heavy world formula. And, um, you know, things didn't start out too hot there that weekend. You know, I had to work my way through the field and the heavy 160 started in the C um, and eventually won the A main. And uh, the world formula is, is still kind of a sour spot in my mind. You know, I was running fourth there with about five, six laps to go. And, and I told myself, I'm going to make a move on this third place car. I felt I was faster and um, got on the gas a little too quick on that tight uh, Pocono tra- track configuration and, um, you know, just spun it around. And surely enough, you know, the guy that I was running against, um, 
you know got got the better points that day and um you, you know it it's still sour but you know uh, i can't fault myself for trying to um do better in the moment yeah so we know you let you let that well formula one kind of slip away but when you when you finally clinched and you finally won that 160 championship what did it feel like and just what was going through your head it's probably one of the proudest moments of my life, uh, to be quite honest. Up to this point, you know, graduating high school is is right up there with with this national championship. But but I had proved so much to myself. Um, it, it didn't really matter to me who I, who else I was proving uh, myself to. But I had to prove to myself that that I could I could do it and I could compete at the the highest level. And um, you know, it was just it was a jaw dropping to be completely honest. I was super, I was super excited, you know, in that day at Pocono, um, was super, it was super awesome to me. It felt like a dream. And I know that's kind of weird to say, you know, it's just a quarter midget national championship looking back on it now, but, um, you know, I, I wanted my dad to hand me the flag or, or my mom or somebody. And, uh, they just couldn't, um, I saw my dad as I was taking the checkered the checkered flag that day. Um, he just dropped down to his knees in tears. Um, and and you know I made myself proud, but to make my dad proud was always another big a big accomplishment of mine. Was um, you you know coming off the track and and hearing I'm proud of you, kid. And um, you know even my grandfather um poppy put a poppy put a lot of his money and and time into the our race our racing and um you know he showed the same kind of emotion and outside of racing you know my dad and my grandfather never really show those emotions so um it was great just to be able to make them proud and and finally you know kind of fulfill one of my quarter midget dreams i guess you would say but moving on into 2017 at this point you just accomplished one of the most pre- prestigious things um, in the quarter midgets. And ultimately, you retired a champion. Um, so in the next season, what went on in your life outside of racing that made you take a pause from getting behind the wheel? Um, so the thing that made me take the initial pause was uh, we had just gathered up all of our, our, our financing for our, t- our race team and, and ran for that national championship. And um, 2017, you know, we had to have a, a, a tough sit down where it was, um, there's nothing in the works for Levi Riffle this next season. And, um, you know, that was kind of upsetting, but, um, you know, I didn't have much time to think about that because, um, in February, you know, I lost one of my best friends, um, pop Robert Jeffries. Um, you know, he had been battling cancer for such a long time and, um, so, you know, he, uh, he finally decided he was, he was, um, he was done fighting the fight and, um, you, you know, he was, he was tired and he was, he was, um, he was ready to go, but, uh, you know, it was definitely hard on me because, you know, I spent most of my young adulthood or my young childhood, um, growing up kind of under his wing, you know, he took me under his wing and, um, spent a lot of nights, a lot of school nights with him. You know, we'd go out to eat during the week, two, three times a week. And, um, you know, he was just so monumental in my life. And, um, so that was kind of tough. Um, 
but I, I deal with that the best way that I knew that I could and and that was still involving myself in racing even though I wasn't in the seat um so I helped um pop son Lee Jeffries down at Bowman Gray Stadium uh carry on his father's legacy with the number 75 and it was a tough year but um our ultimate goal was to put the 75 back back in victory lane um that season and and we did so and and it was um you know there was a lot of tears a lot of emotions going on in that victory lane but um yeah like i said i didn't have much time in 2017 to to worry about getting back in the seat um come late 2017 um you know just a short a couple short months ago i i had lost my my grandfather or, or somebody that i considered a grandfather to me um to cancer and um i was headed to meet michelle allison um you know we were meeting up so she could um you know kind of uber me up to dominion to watch nolan and neil that weekend there was a ema nema special that weekend and um you know, my mom gets a phone call and she had done a scan earlier on and um, there was a polyp on her colon and, um, you know, we didn't really think much about it. But, you know, a couple of weeks later, the, they get the call at the exact same time that I'm headed to watch uh, Neil and Nolan race. And um, yeah, that was tough. That that was um, that was difficult. Um, but my mom, you know, she, um, she's probably one of the strongest women I know. Um, and she, she fought her way straight through it, you know, showing no fear to me or Luke, um, or the family in general, you know, she, she, um, in just two to three short months, she was, she was cancer free. And, um, you know, uh, I thank God every day. Uh, mom, mom pulled through, and so that weekend, um, I told my mom I was going to stay home. You know, I was going to turn back around, and uh, we were we were going to get through this as a family. And um, you know, instantly she said, "You need to go to the racetrack." And uh, she knew, she knew that that was going to be the best thing for me. So went up to Dominion, um, got to hang out with Neil. And Connor that weekend because I, th- I believe that was one of Connor's first EMA races and yeah that was the uh, first race I ran for Butch yeah and um, you know got back home and and it was back to reality but you know th- uh, I thank God every day that th- that reality didn't last as long as it could have so you know 2017 was was a big uh, stepping stone year for me you know I I grew a lot as a person and um. You know, it was back to racing in 2018. Yeah, I was. I lived through that at Dominion. I had. I was completely unaware of what was going on at your in your life, and we were actually we were actually pretty good friends then. I, this is a both the listeners and I are gaining a new perspective on uh, Levi Riffle as a person. Yeah. So as you mentioned, after everything that went on in your in your life in 2017, what was your next step to run those uh, run those few races you did run in 2018 with the Eastern Midgets? You know, 2018 was was going to be similar was was going to be similar to our 2017 season, um, which included uh, me not being in the car whatsoever. But it, so I was um, going to play football for my high school, and um, two weeks after I signed up for the workouts and everything that come along with football, 
Um, my dad gets a call from Butch Lamb saying that he has an extra Eastern Midget car that he was willing to to give us um, to run the season and and get used to the Eastern Midget cars. And you know, I couldn't c- turn down that that opportunity. Um, it was an opportunity to run with with people that I had ran with pretty much my whole career up to that point. You know, Neil and Nolan and Connor. So um, to be able to be back at the track with those guys and and being able to compete with them was was something um, that I'm so thankful for. You know, uh, Butch, you know, kind of kind of opened the door for us to to get into the Eastern Midgets, and then um, you know, just three or four ra- we ran just three or four races in Butch's Midget and returned it back to him, and um, you know, uh, Steve and Michelle and Neil and Nolan were all. Um, were all willing to give me a ride. Uh, we just had to build the car and, um, you know, I couldn't turn it down, you know, working with into racing and working with people, a family that I had worked with for a long time. Um, and getting to continue that relationship was, was something that I look forward to a lot. And so, um, spent a lot of days and nights working out there on my car and learning, learning, you know, Steve taught Steve and the whole family taught me all really everything that I needed to know about those midgets and, um, helped me throughout the season to get running. And yeah, so that whole process of building the car with the Allison's they're pretty particular on, uh, what goes on with race cars and how to build them. So what was, what was your experience like, um, the day-to-day operations with, pretty much just Steve and his, uh, kind of method. Did it give you a new perspective? Um, it opened my eyes a little bit, but you know, um, that's, that's one thing that, that might've, uh, that's one trait that might've brought our families together was, um, Steve and my father are so alike in in the way that, that if you're going to do it, you're going to do it right. And, um, you know, Steve, Steve looks at everything from a very technical standpoint and um you know my dad does the same so um you know working with steve uh was something that we had done in the past you know like i said earlier he helped me a lot in my early years in quarter midget so um there was a couple new things that that i found um working with them but um in, in reality it was it was pretty much all um the same thing for me yeah so Ultimately, after your uh, 2019 season, which was which was a fun season for me and I assume for you and even Connor, but ultimately after that season, um, you decided to put your racing career on pause again. But I think on this time it was a little bit different because ever since you took put your racing career on pause, you've been the number one crew guy for me, and you've been coming to pretty much every race you can come to for me. So. What was the reason? Yeah. What was what was the reason for that? Um, you know, the reason for hopping out of the Eastern Midget Series was was um, you know, I did it, I did it because I was doing it with uh, you know, my friends and practically my family, and you know, I guess I was just trying to relive some of those memories from quarter midgets and and relive some of those racetrack days and you know we were successful in that you know we had a lot of good days at tracks that we ran at and um you know although my 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 career high finish was fourth 
you know, I learned a lot through the Eastern Midgets. Um, it's a crazy series to drive in, you know. Um, I think we've touched on it earlier, but cars are very similar, and, and you know, it's a, pretty much all up to the driver. But um, it, it was um, – the decision to hop out of the – out of the driver's seat was was basically you know um all of my friends are leaving and so um you know i felt it was time um for me to kind of hang up the helmet for the time and um i didn't want financial wise you know um i was trying to save some money and um even though it meant stepping out of the seat again um, it was what was in my best interest. Yeah. So currently you're kind of on, on pause from, uh, actually driving yourself, but as we all know, you're still heavily involved with, um, racing and motorsports. So right now, what is your kind of plan and overall grand scheme for racing rehab? Uh, this brand you're kind of, we are trying to, um, make bigger. Um, my 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 grand um my grand plan for racing rehab was was to kind of involve myself on a on a different kind of from a different kind of perspective in the racing world um and do it with two of my best friends you know um doing this podcast with you guys has been a blast and and growing this business um you know it all it all came from you know me just sitting at my house one day and I'm thinking, you know, what can I do? What can I do to involve myself just a, just that little bit more into the racing community? Um, and I've always had a passion for racing and, and I know the people around me have, and, and, you know, racing rehab is, is I, I live and breathe by, um, the slogan that racing rehab is, you know, take a break from reality to chase a checkered. Um, you know, if we all work nine to five jobs, seven days a week, you know, there wouldn't be any fun in life. But, um, you know, since I've got racing, I've, I've grown so much as a person, um, built so many friendships and, and, you know, with race and rehab, I felt that, that I could do that more without being in the seat at the same time. Yeah, and I, I think with the, the advent of social media, I mean, a clothing company, it's not just a clothing company anymore. There's so many possibilities with media, as you can see with this podcast and so many things we have in the works um, as a brand that just would further your involvement with motorsports. And I mean, now that you're out of the seat now, but that could change in a couple of years and racing rehab would open, is opening so many opportunities for us. and. I think it's a great, great thing for all three of us. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I do plan on, you know, eventually having enough, um, having enough money to get back into the seat, um, and, you know, do it the right way. Um, you know, I could go out there and do it now and, and run in last, but, you know, um, you know, like I said earlier, um, the, the uh, values that my family has instilled in me is if you're going to do something, you're going to do it right. And that time um and hopefully it's coming here shortly so i feel like that's a great place to end um now that we've we've pretty much summed up who you are as a person and your values um so we we thank you for uh taking your time from hosting this podcast and actually sitting down with us to talk about your life and uh 
what got you to this point um, as the CEO of Racing Rehab. But from all of us, me and Neil, Levi, we thank you for watching, or not watching, listening to episode five of the Racing Rehab podcast. Um, like we mentioned, uh, get your t-shirts um, while they're still here. Um, the original logo t-shirt, we'd love to see you in Victory Lane, Pitts, um, even at family events. We saw uh, Trevor Klein at Easter in a Racing yep. Rehab t-shirt. That was pretty funny to see. Um, we want to see the t-shirts everywhere on social media. Um, and the only way to do that is purchase one. I mean, I uh, sound like a broken record. We're just trying to get that merch out there. Um, but and if any of you guys are planning on coming to Millbridge pretty much any time. Yeah. Any race, I'll be there. Yeah. Neil and Levi will up. always have t-shirts at Millbridge. Um, and then when I start racing, I'll have them at the trailer, but it's a little bit harder since it's just me and my dad um, in that little 10 foot feather light. But, I think that's that's all we got for you this week. Um, and next week, we hope to have another guest and uh, be back to our more uh, traditional podcast format. So thank you all for uh, listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.